welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Porter, and I am joined by my co-host for today, Charlotte Porter. Hello. How are we doing, Charlotte? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Uh, just back from uh, Malign Portents, oh, yes. Triumph and Treachery, Age of Sigmar event mm-hmm. at uh, Warhammer Glasgow. It was all go today because they, they actually had an author signing. Oh, uh, whose name escapes me oh, because dear. he writes the 40k books. Oh, and you're not 40k guy. Uh, I'm a, yeah, so humble apologies uh, if you happen to listen to Unlucky Frog and uh, your name has been omitted. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll endeavour to have uh, a link in the description uh, towards that uh, writer as recompense. Um, but they, they also, because, because they're getting ready to move, That's uh, right, they, had, they had a little auction where they <clears> cleared out a lot of their old stock. But um, we'll, we'll talk more about that game later. Yep. Uh, what have we been up to this week? Uh, well, I was at Edinburgh Playtest Group last weekend. Yep. That was fun. Um, that was really fun. I'll talk about that later. And then through the week, we've just been really busy doing lots of other things, doing recordings and stuff. So actually, we haven't had a lot of time to game. We did find time to play Arkham Horror. We did. The card game. Yes, the card game. Yeah. Uh, a couple of times. And I even soloed it as well. You did. You you played it solo today. Yep, this yep. morning. Yeah, uh, didn't go too well. No, didn't go too well. <laughs> uh, I I don't think so. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, not 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 if the the picture you sent me when I was on the train was anything <laughs> nope. to judge by. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think you were being attacked by three ghouls at once. Yeah, the ghoul priest. Which for then... for anyone that's played a, a Cthulhu style game, if you're getting attacked. By more than one thing at a time, you're probably going to die. And I did say that in the text. Yeah. I'm going to die because I managed to exhaust them this turn because I had a card yeah. that exhausts all enemies at the location. Yeah. But then you, I was, you're, yeah, I was you're dead. Ju- the you're next just round. delaying the inevitable, yeah. I think. Yeah. But, um, so let's talk about, uh, the, the Edinburgh Playtest group. Yeah. So, I went through to that. It was really, actually, really nice to meet uh, Ian McAllister. Ian McAllister of the, the giant, giant brain. brain, and I can confirm that he is not a giant brain physically. He maybe has a giant brain. And he, he's not crying. He's not crying. Neither is he one of the big brains from Mars Attacks. Or the the brain from the Blue Yeti comics. You know, with the mm. little glasses on. Oh, yeah. 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 No, no, he's no. a human. He's human after okay. all. A nice human at that. Nice human. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I went along to that in the really interesting venue of Red Game, uh, Red Dice Games. Yeah. Which is in a cellar complex. So they've got a cafe upstairs, I think Spilt Milk. And then downstairs you've That's got... That's a cool name for a cafe. Yeah. And then you've got, so it's like... The Archies, so it's, it's in the sort of vaults downstairs. Okay. You've got red dice games and escape rooms. So periodically you would hear lots of screaming and lots of shouting and people <laughs> being chased around and stuff. And it was just a really brilliant venue. It was great. So uh, so I went along to that. That is a monthly meetup. So if you're in Edinburgh or even you know want to go and try it out, um, the next one they're having is the 22nd of April. So the whole point of it is that people can go along and play test games. It's, it's fairly obvious. Um, there was people there. The, that, the clue is in the name. The clue is definitely in the name, um, and they brought some games with them. Yeah. To play test, so Ian brought his game. So, so this is predominantly people <clears throat> who've perhaps designed a game. Yes. And they they want to get it uh, blinds tested, as it yeah. were. 
Yeah. Or just they, they want other people to try their game. Yes. Basically. Yeah. So it was really good. Got to try um, quite a few different games, actually. Um, also, just a, a shout out to Keith. Keith McLaren was there. Hey. But again, I didn't really get much chance to talk to him because we were at opposite tables. I think Keith, I said Keith hi McClellan to him. of Cardboard and Coffee Games, yep. who <laughs> is working on Nuts and Bots. Yes, so he was playtesting Nuts and Bots yeah. with another group of people. Which we, we've spoken about yeah. in one of our Aircon episodes. Yeah. So. Um, so the games I played, I played a game by a gent called Bryant, <clears throat> which I am told, I've never played Netrunner, but I'm told was meant to be a quick-paced Netrunner style game. Okay. Um, where you have to sort of install programs and plans and the plan is to, or the, the, the aim of the game is to score victory points and defeat your enemy. Um, I really enjoyed it. Took me a while to get into it. What, not so much to get into it, that's not what I mean. I mean um, to get the hang of it. I have a tendency to forget rules. I only have, I can only like retain you five. You struggled a bit to pick up the rules. Well, I kept with. forgetting that you could like, uh, you could hack, which is the main objective in the whole game. That does sound a lot like <laughs> Netrunner, actually. And you hack, and I was like, oh, yeah, oh, I forgot I could do that. And I keep, so I think I've realised recently that I can retain five instructions any more than that, and then they drop off. But that, I think, I mean, for all you're laughing at that, <clears> I imagine that it, that is quite important, it, or start again, it's quite important for people who are playtesting a game yeah. to have people like you play it. Yeah. Because if if only a handful of people are able to keep all of the plates spinning in yeah. that game, then, yeah. then you've got a problem because yeah. it means that your game is, is not going to have uh, a wide appeal. And if you're fine with that, then fine. But I, I think for most people, they, they do want their game to, at some point, get out to a, a wider audience. Yeah. So if that, that's a barrier to yeah. entry if there's too many things yeah. going on. I really enjoyed it though. I played it three times, I think, and by the third time, I had got it. You know, yeah. I, I knew what I was doing, I, and I, I'm really excited to see where he where he takes it from here. Yeah. Um, even he was talking through some of the changes he was going to make. There is um, sort of tokens, but the tokens are at the side, and they don't always really play into the. Th- the strategy or the theme of the game so sometimes you actually forget they're there to do things with yeah. so he was thinking of maybe you know converting them into currency or looking at another way that he can <clears throat> bring them into the game and have them more you know they are th- consistent throughout it but I really enjoyed playing that uh, another game I played which is going by its uh, work in progress name at the moment is Scandal or Scandalous um, Stephen has been playing or playtesting that one for a while now but he's introduced some new mechanic so basically scandalous is about it sounds a little bit like um like your sex tape has been leaked and you need to try and <laughs> well <cover> it up. <laughs> that not too far off basically really? it's the whole thing where you are it's the the life of a celebrity oh. and you have to try and you know have as <clears throat> interesting a life or as exciting a life as colorful. possible colorful yes but you might be uh, struck down with a scandal, which then kicks you back. Yeah. So the the idea is really good. The or if idea your name's is really Kim Kardashian, fun. Advances you forward. Your career. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The thing I really liked about it though was, um, so the auction bit. We did talk about it. I, I did like I did like what he was doing with it, but it felt a bit disjointed from the actual gameplay because uh-huh. it was a separate phase so he'd been thinking about doing other ways to do that I think actually that's the first time he'd introduced the auction phase it had been done in other ways previously so he's still working on that but the thing that I really like is once you've got all your cards lined up and your your story you know about who you are you then have to say and you have to then 
create a story also, around. It's a little bit like uh, uh, the Gloom card game, where you have to weave a bit of a story, <coughs> or at least the experience is enhanced yes. if, if you weave a bit of a story. Because yeah. it, it's one of the things that we've mentioned before about uh, the, the Gloom card game is that if people didn't embrace the storytelling element to that game, it wouldn't be yeah. all that interesting. Yeah. No, it is, it's very much the same. Like It's just at the end, at the very final stage, once you've got your life story lined up, yeah. you, you talk it through from you know when you were born and all the way through it, and your scandals and how you came back from them and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, but I really enjoyed that, and again, it's another one I'm quite interested to see where it goes. See how it progresses. Because it's not a game I would have picked up. It's not a game probably I would have, you know, if it had been in a shop, I would have picked up. I suppose but that's, that's, that's really one of the other cool things about, um, you know, when we... Uh, play test and do demos yeah. and things like that is it, it it makes us aware of games that um ordinarily would be quite a fringe thing yeah uh that that maybe don't get um as much uh screen time as the the games from the the bigger yeah. publishers so um that that's a really cool yeah. uh, element to these play test groups is that uh it, it it helps the designers to refine their craft but it's also raising awareness of what yeah. they're doing at the same yeah. time. I would be interested to see where it goes because I think, you know, he's def- having played it, I really liked how it played out. Yeah. Uh, and the final game that I played was Ian McAllister's one, um, The Story of My First Blade. I'm not sure if that's exactly I what believe it's called. It's, this is My Blade, Here It's Tale. Yes, that's it. That's Which it. is it's a, <laughs> a little bit verbose uh, for a game title, but I do believe it's a working title. Yeah. So. Well, I, again, I really enjoyed that. Um, I was the only one at the table that hadn't played it, so I did feel as if I was on the back foot a bit. However, everybody was exceptionally supportive. There was a couple of things. Again, um, so the way it works is you're given a sword and your sword is made up of three parts. And the idea is that you can enhance them, you can enchant them. And the the more you do that, the more powerful your sword becomes and the more enemies you can take out. You then buy, you know, get XP for the enemies you kill and so on and so on and sort of enhance your weapon. Um, That that does sound a lot like Enchanters. Yeah, it's not the same as Enchanters. Having Uh played it, it it felt, it reminded me of Enchanters, but not in the way that it is Enchanters. I don't mean... that sounds like Enchanters, isn't that? Sounds like a carbon yes. copy of Enchanters. Yeah. It's just, oh yeah, you yeah. know, it's you know when someone describes something to you and your brain starts trying to make connections with things. <clears throat> For me, when you describe that, it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, like Enchanters. It's it's similar, but it it plays very differently. There's a lot of different dynamics in yeah. it. Um, but I did actually encourage Ian to get the game. I said that if we, we've got it, so even if you wanted to take it away and play it, I could take it to the next one. Ian. And, if you, you want play to play it. Enchanters, come to our house. <laughs> yes, that's open to anyone who wants no, to come no, and play well, Enchanters. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you random <laughs> citizen, come and play come. Enchanters. Yes. We're going to end up with that. Like, that's fine. Yeah, okay. We, we will be known as the Open House Podcast. Come round, play some games. I'll bake some cookies. It's all great. Right, I'm all about community <laughs> spirit, but this just, this, this feels a little bit too open. Right. So anyway, bringing it back. So... Um, I did play the game um, with the group, and there was six people in in the, in the group with us. And I think Ian did say that it it doesn't quite scale 
right when you go up the way. Okay. Um, but one of the issues I had was each component, so the three parts you have of your sword, have a value that you need to roll in order to activate them. And you, you roll two dice and you can choose to combine the total of the dice or have them separately. The other thing as well that I really liked is that as a group, you know, you're sort of cooperative. So if you choose not to use one of your dice, you can announce the number and anybody else with that value can play that dice. Okay. Which I thought was really good. However, two of mine, so of my three pieces, one was six, the second was six, and the third was one. So ultimately, those are the numbers that were more likely going to get changed or less, you know, likely to be included in things. So I did feel that I was sitting out of it for quite a bit, but I could tell that it wasn't because I wasn't following the game because everyone else was succeeding. So I knew that it wasn't, you know, that I was like, what's going on? It was just like I couldn't actually get into it. And Ian did pick that up, that actually maybe making sure that when you are giving out the pieces that, you you know, it's not a duplicate number um and that way there's more of a chance to get in because all the other ones had a variant of three whereas yeah. i only had the two um but it did mean that i could do two attacks if i rolled a six or whatever you well, know from, from the, dyna- the designer's perspective that that's why playtesting is so valuable because you unless you're some weird cyborg superhuman computer machine which you're not which most people as far as i'm aware are not Maybe the giant brain is. I mean, it's the, sorry, frankly, the jury's still out. I mean, <laughs> you you people could all be robots or figments of my imagination, but um, un- until otherwise proven, we'll just assume that you're all people. Good. But that aside, it's it, it is very valuable to to put your game out to playtesting yeah. because there's so many variables and variations that you just would not have yeah. considered unless you get different people who think. Uh, differently from you do yeah. to play your game because even one of the things that I've seen that Ian has done since um, stalking him on Facebook and Twitter is that he's changed the layout of the cards so they're no longer landscape they're portrait and even just that actually reads a lot better it's easier oh, okay. to sort of lay yeah. them out that way and that was something I think somebody had suggested at, uh-huh. at the playtest well, it's it's cool to hear that he's actually taking feedback on board because that, that that's a, another thing that we've heard from quite a few designers is that a lot of the time it it, it can be a bit heart-wrenching hearing people yeah. criticising this thing you've been working on. Yeah. And it takes guts at times to, you know, to take on feedback. Yeah. Uh, not, I don't think everyone can do that. And certainly we, we have heard a few horror stories about people yes. in playtests and demos that have just packed up their game and gone, right, I'm, I'm done. done. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So on that note, thank you to Brian, to Stephen and to Ian for letting me play their games. That was really, really good of them. And like I said, um, they're meeting again on the 22nd of April um, down in Red Dice Games. So if anybody's interested in having a go at trying out some games or alternatively has a game to bring, um, go along. Great fun, welcoming bunch and just a really, really nice environment. I dare say at some point uh, some of those guys will be on the podcast. I don't have any doubt about that. Yeah. Um, so you you were at Edinburgh. Yes. Uh, we haven't done a lot of gaming this week. No. Um, I've done a bit of painting. You've done lots of painting. Well, no, I haven't done lots of painting. Well, you've, seems like you've been painting for hours oh, and hours okay. and hours. Right, get getting personal. <laughs> getting personal here. Um, I I 
painted up a little tester for my Dark Raider elves because I'm working towards doing a, a mixed order army for Age of Sigmar. Um, so it's going to be a sort of heroes of might and magic type idea where you've got um, uh, elves, dwarves and humans all working together. Um, but the, the, the backbone of the army is still going to be my, my fire slayers. Yep. Because I love my fire slayers. Because you're obsessed. Some some may say obsessed, some may say enthusiastic. If you come round to play Arkham Horror, you will see that the house is covered in little tiny plastic men. I feel like this is like the marriage <laughs> counselling podcast now, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. I feel attacked, Charlotte. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I feel attacked. I'm sorry, I don't mean to it's attack okay. you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've been working a little bit on him. Um, I just painted up one as a tester, pretty pleased with how he turned out. And what else have you been painting? And I've been painting a, a big war scryer citadel. Ah, yes. Uh, which is a great piece of scenery. Yeah, it's um, a lovely model. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think I've got any pictures of it on my Instagram yet, but um, I'll put a link to my Instagram for anyone that's interested in watching me paint little plastic men and scenery for said little plastic men. You can go and check it out. Just a thought, you know, maybe give me a like, maybe yes. give me a follow. Maybe. If uh, if you like what you see. So what's your uh, what's your tag? It is Instagram.com forward slash Oberel O B E E R A E L. We'll link to it in the Yeah, because no yeah. one's gonna remember <laughs> that. No. Um But so as I say, gaming wise not been up to much. Uh done a wee bit of building and painting. <clears throat> But we did play the Arkham Horror card we game. We've had it in the shrink wrap on the shelf for ages. We yep. actually bought it back at the January. Yeah, at the Tabletop Scotland yeah. ticket sales launch uh, at Big Dog Books. Yep. yep. But we finally, finally got round to playing it last night. And uh, what did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It did. Um, I I was playing Wendy Adams. And I don't think I play naturally, or it took me a while to really get an idea of how she plays. Yeah. Um, I suppose similar to the Lord of the Rings games, I was saying this earlier to you, that actually I feel you need to play the game a couple of times yeah, before you, get, you fully you get, um, get it. They've got their own sort of class system, haven't they? Yeah. So it, it's, it, you're right, it takes a little bit to find your feet, I think. And we, we've not even um, we've not even approached building no. decks yet. No. So we're still very much in the baby pool as far as um, Arkham Horror, the card game, goes. But we've t- we've taken our floats off though. We've taken our yeah, floats off. Yeah, like we're we're having a having a bit of a doggy paddle, <laughs> but uh, you know we're not quite uh, we're not quite doing the the frog yet. No, but we will, But I think yeah. we'll get there. I mean, right away, um, I, I'm quite enthusiastic about it because I love all things yep. Lovecraft. Yep. Um, uh, I am actually one of those sad people that uh, that that reads all the short stories. It's not sad. Yeah, it's I, not I, sad. I, no, but I, what I'm saying is that a lot of people like Lovecraft without necessarily having read the the Lovecraft short stories in all their slightly racist glory. <laughs> yes, um, the, the but, dog, but I, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's the cat. The cat, yeah. Uh, whose name, name is so <laughs> offensive. <laughs> We're not going to mention it. Isn't it? The cat's name is so offensive we can't actually mention it on the podcast. <laughs> um, but if you want to know what it is, go and read The Rats in the Walls. Yes. 
uh, <laughs> and you will be stunned, frankly, um, because I I did the double take when I read that story. <laughs> so I, I I that must have been a typo, but it's not. That is the so name go and of look the at cap. go and look at it. <laughs> it's shocking. Anyway, <laughs> none of that. It's it's been whitewashed. Yes, you know. Maybe, maybe somewhere out. Do you think there's anyone that, that's slightly offended that they've whitewashed Lovecraft? That they've done away the, from the original yeah, that, context? Yeah, that they've removed all of his racism. Probably. There must be someone out there. Purists out there. Yeah, Lovecraftian Lovecraft purists. purists. <laughs> <laughs> Zealots and cultists. Yeah. Exactly. Those people that are trying to... Yeah, zealots and cultists <laughs> that wear uh, white hoods. Yes, and and uh, may or may not um, partake of burning crosses. Well, we can't really. Uh... That, but that's that's the level <laughs> of racism we're talking yeah, about in, is, in Lovecraft. That is pretty it's, much. I'm I'm not I'm not kidding when I say it, some of yep. it is pretty shocking. But pretty much. Anyway, <laughs> went off on a massive tangent there, there about yep. the KKK. <laughs> Lovecraft. <laughs> Uh, no, Arkham Horror, the card game. Oh, yeah. Um, it's good. It's, it, it's interesting you mentioned the Lord of the Rings card yes. game because it is very similar. Yeah, and we did play lots of that. Um, so I, I, I felt that I was able to pick it up quite yeah. quickly from yep. that. But there's a few extra moving yep. parts. Yep. But, so what, one, one of the complaints I have with the Lord of the Rings card game is that you can end up uh, settling into this sort of rhythm yeah. with things. Um, so the, the the pacing can sometimes make the Lord of the Rings card game a wee bit tedious. It's not too bad because you know you're still drawing random cards and things. But what I really liked about the Arkham Horror card game is the chaos token mechanic. Yes, and the first time we played that, we totally overlooked that, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, because we were waiting for. <laughs> when did it come out? <laughs> yeah, without realizing that it's like, oh yeah, you're supposed to draw one of them every, every time you do yeah. a skill test. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, that'll be why they didn't. And appear. that did make it a bit more. It makes it more yeah, tense. Yeah. Because everything you do has the chance to go horribly wrong. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much Lovecraft in a but, but <laughs> that, nutshell. No, but but that but that is reflective of real life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's it's one of these things that you know a lot of people complain about ran, the random number generator mechanic in games. They say that it detracts from skillfulness, or you know when things are random, then it becomes all about luck. But I think that um, life is random. Absolutely, and games should well. They do, not every game has to be. But I believe that the most interesting games have some element yeah. of randomization within yeah. it. Because the fact of the matter is that in life, you you cannot fully prepare for everything that's going to be thrown at you. Yeah. And there's, there's actually a degree of skill in at least, you know, sort of trying to preempt things that may or may not happen. Well, the other thing is actually there's been times where I have resorted to the roll of a dice for... My outcome, which is a terrible idea. No, if you I, the, if you make a very, life, no, the very first game of Warhammer that I ever played, I won because to Simon's horror. In, yeah, in the context, <laughs> I of, rolled just totally random. Yeah, in the context of a game, that's fine. But it yes. sounded as though you were giving people <laughs> advice for life. Yes, do not always no, roll a dice. Always no, have a dice don't on do you that. That is a horrible it. idea. <laughs> don't do it. If it you're making life. a major life decision. 
do not resort to rolling dice to help you do that. How do you You're not Harvey that? Dent. But you've seen the Batman <laughs> film. You've seen how that goes. Don't do it, kids. Don't listen to Charlotte. Okay? Listen to Charlotte. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Yes. The Arkham Horror card game. Yes. Very good. Very, very good. Looking forward to delving into that. And actually getting to, to grips with Yeah. With we, we, we both quite like cooperative games, yeah. Uh, yeah. which this is. Um, Not as cooperative as Lord of the Rings, right enough, but... No, it's still quite cooperative. Yeah. Um, but I can't play anything to you, or... No, there's no. but I, I've got stuff I oh, yeah, can do. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, so just... maybe, maybe if you try out another character, yeah. you might feel better. Because it seems to me, and you know, any, any of the Arkham Horror aficionados out there can correct me on this, but the Survivor class seems to be more about uh, looking after yourself. Surviving. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, who knew? <laughs> Whereas the, like, the Guardian class... Yes. Yeah. Um, like uh, you get access to healing abilities yeah. and things, which is, uh, which benefits everyone. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're, we're probably we're we're gonna play that tonight. Probably play a bit more of that tonight. See how we get on. Maybe maybe dabble with the campaign a little yeah. bit. But yeah. if anyone's got any suggestions for expansions, we should have a look at. Um. Let us know because. Yeah. We're obviously a bit late to the party as far as Arkham Horror goes, so it would be great to hear um, what, uh, what what's uh, what's the best thing for us to look at next. Yeah. Um, but uh, today, um, I did get a bit more gaming in. I, I played a bit of Age of Sigmar and Warhammer Glasgow. Uh, and all we were told before is uh, we were taking 1,200-point uh, lists. So that, that's a reasonably small army. But it's still big enough for you to have some options. And we're going to be using the Malign Portents rules, which is all the the sort of uh, mysterious... Uh, omens. Omens uh, that yeah. you can interpret that have uh, uh, slightly subtle effects on the battle. But it makes it quite interesting because you can you can respond to things out of step. Like you can actually interfere with uh, your opponent's turn. Which, in, in a game... Which is turn-based. Uh, that that I think uh, can make things much more interesting. Um, but we got there, and it was uh, Triumph and Treachery. Very good. Which is uh, multiplayer games where it's every man for himself. So I was on a table of four. Uh, with uh, I was playing my Fire Slayers, uh, and one of my opponents was playing Stormcast. So you pretty much had the the starter set army with the, a couple of units of Liberators mm-hmm. and the Lord Relictor and all of that. And uh, one of the other players was playing the Iron Jaws, which are the, the, big, the big beefy orcs. Yeah. And the, the other player was playing Disciples of Zinch. The best... Army. I hate disciples of Zinch. I play Zinch. If anybody well, didn't know, well, right? No, <laughs> so I don't have a problem with with Zinch per se. Yes. Like what one of, one of my good friends, Craig, plays a Zinch army, and I always enjoy playing against yeah. Craig because he's got a, a nice. And he, he's like me, where he becomes very invested in storytelling. Yeah. So he's got these characters that he'll always use with the army, and uh, the composition uh, means that. 
he's got enough variation within it to make it interesting. But the the problem is, uh, Zinch, uh, or Disciples of Zinch, rather, um, is very powerful at the moment. And uh, there's definitely a reason that uh, you're seeing them finish in, in the top five in just about every tournament at the moment. Well, you had had a discussion recently about whether the Lord of Change was over. I did. Well, uh, well, under underpointed. Yeah, because um, I, I lost horribly to Colin, <laughs> as our regular listeners um, will know, the other day. And uh, Colin and myself had this discussion afterwards, and he, even Colin um, said that he, he does think that he's a little bit undercosted mm. for what he does. And I, I took the question to Facebook... And uh, I think I got about eight responses. Um, only two of the eight responses believed that um, the Lord of Change's current point cost was okay. Right, okay. And coincidentally, they were both Disciples of Zinch <laughs> <laughs> players. Hmm, okay. Uh, everyone else seems to be of the opinion that um, considering uh, how expensive some of the other greater demons are, uh, and what they do relative to what he costs and what he does, um, he, he is underpointed. Um, so that that was horrendous yeah. today again. It's because the the thing about disciples of Zinch is that you start having these flashbacks to Eighth Edition Warhammer Fantasy, where it was um, it was a case of people shoehorning as many wizards yeah. and uh, artillery pieces as they could into a list. His Disciples of Zinch um, functionally uh, works the same, where it's the a lot of the magic is essentially magical artillery. Yeah. So you're you're pretty much just watching uh, Zinch players wipe your army off the board, and there's nothing you can do about yeah. it because they all do mortal wounds. Yeah. So it, it makes for a very unpleasant experience. Um, the thing about today was that it was supposed to be more of a narrative event and there, there was a lot going on so to be fair to the staff they weren't able to keep tabs and everything as, as much as they would have liked to. Because they're, they're moving shop aren't they? they are, they're moving shop and then they had a signing and then they had the auction so there was lo- loads going on today in the store. Um, but what, one of the things I wanted to, to talk about was the um, how much is too much when it comes to playing to win because that this particular disciples of Zinch player, um, he he plays very competitive lists. You said he brought a tournament. Oh yeah, list. it was yeah it was pretty yeah. much a tournament list. But because um, the, the what the intention with this event was that they were going to vet the lists, and if anyone had done anything too competitive, they were going to make them re- rewrite it um, because they wanted because you know narrative game. Yeah. It's the, the emphasis is the story as opposed to trying to gub everyone but that being said you know you're still playing a competitive game uh, everyone still wants to win but I mean what what, what do you think um, how, how much is too much when it comes to playing to win well we've had this conversation before in other games that that we do have a different um, I suppose outlook on how we play games yeah. Um, I suppose I'm just thinking about um, instances where yourself and Josh have gamed, and you will actually communicate what you are doing, or Josh will say. Uh, there was one time I did get very annoyed because 
I am the type of player that I'm normally, I do think in my head, I'm normally three steps ahead. Yeah. And I am in my head three steps ahead. I won't share that with anyone. I won't indulge anyone. But Josh will give you like a commentary as he's going through of what what you could do and how you could do it. And there was this one time I got so pissed off because <laughs> what you were about to do would totally, I was like, why? Why are you telling him this? Why are you helping him? And but- I had this great, this absolutely brilliant idea all lined up and it just can't remember what it was we were playing um i think it was enchanters was it enchanters yeah i was not a happy bunny no but everyone gets frustrated yeah but the thing is is i i realize that i don't i don't i don't play to win i don't have this idea where i need to win i don't play that for me i try to make the game as exciting and as gauging as possible where i will try to you know, like I said before, there's sometimes where I realise I'm not going to win, or there's not any point in me trying, like pushing so hard when I know I'm not going to make it. That I'll just do whatever I can to see because, because create as much distraction, yeah, because, as possible. Yeah, which is fine if if that's what you want yeah. to do. But that's quite an interesting point actually, because um, obviously with Age of Sigmar, you've got the um, the three modes of play: you've yeah. got match play, open play, narrative play. Um, open place sort of beer and pretzels type yeah. of thing just do what you want just take a bunch of fun stuff and have a massive big mental game uh, match plays tournaments yeah. uh, narrative plays more like campaigns and things yeah. like that and uh, maybe reenacting famous battles um i'm i'm more of a narrative gamer i really enjoy the storytelling yeah. and, dare i say even role-playing element to things so a lot of the time i'll be playing a game and I, I almost find myself at times um, not fully intentionally doing it, but um, creating these little personal objectives for myself. So like I'll be in a a big uh, like three way game, and I'll and there'll be a Slanesh player on there. So it's like I am going to twat yeah. that guy. Yeah. You know, irrespective of what the objective yes. is. So. You, you come away, like even if you've lost the game, if you manage to achieve that personal yeah. objective, it still feels a bit like yeah. a win, even yeah. even when you've lost. Um, you know, if you manage to get like an epic duel uh, between the two characters and you get the upper hand, even if you lose the game, you, yeah. st- you still feel like you've achieved something. Um, but the, the I guess the, the win at all costs thing, I, I don't truly get. Because, I, I mean, I, I am quite a competitive player. I do like to win. Yeah. But I've never been able to write an army list or compose a character for a game, uh, like, optimising it yeah. to win. Because I like to use the things I like. Yeah. Like with my fire slayers, I take two magma dross because I love magma dross. Yeah. Whereas the what's considered competitive for fire slayers is to take <coughs> three units of thirty volkites. Yeah. The other thing as well is you don't if you do lose, you don't have a mad rage. No, I get I get frustrated at times. Yeah. But I I don't. I mean, think we've played I, with people that have had. You oh know. yeah. I mean, I've never I've never properly flipped out at a game. I've got annoyed at people, but I've been like, you know, whatever. And I've always, you know, at least I've always, as far as I'm aware, tried to make peace and make yeah. sure everyone's happy afterwards. But you're going to get frustrated at games. Anyone says that they never get frustrated at games 
is either a psychopath yeah. or a liar. Possibly They're both. both. <laughs> yes. Um, but in term, I, I think in summary to the whole, how the to, to the question of how much is too much when it comes to uh, playing to, to win, win, I think that the degree to which you're playing to win has to be proportionate to what's at stake. Yeah. So if you're playing against a beginner, yeah. What's at stake is out. you want to get you want that person yeah. to become engaged with yeah. your hobby. So you're going to make sure that you play to make sure that they have as much fun as they possibly can. Like that one time that you were showing me the very first time how to play um Age of Sigma. Yeah. And I was playing what was I playing? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like you're just about to completely undermine my my statement. No, no, so. no. You, yeah, but it's that way that I think because as well, this was the first couple of times that you'd played it because it was just after it was released, and yeah. so you were learning it as well. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't as if you were an expert and you were showing me, but I was like, okay, I'm with it. I'm following. I'm following. I'm not doing very good, but I'm still there. I'm, I'm on it. Oh no, I'm dying. It's fine. Yeah, I'm I okay. Summoned a unit of stormcast. So. I, I was like, what are you doing? Well, that's what they do. <laughs> I'm just bringing in all these big heavy armoured dudes yeah. like, why Why are you doing this to me why would you do that so that is how not to um, <laughs> but, introduce a game to a beginner but at the same time that's how you got used to playing it that's how you found out how to play it yeah. by actually doing it but by, no, by not to a beginner but yeah so in summary the degree of competitiveness in a game has to be proportionate to what's at stake yeah. Yeah. if it's a Friday night and everyone's coming round for beer and pizza. Don't take your tournament list. No. Take something fun. Yep. The t- leave the tournament list for the tournaments. Yeah, that's a that's and a for good, the practice games. Yeah, it's a good rule um, of thumb. But yeah, I, I I think that I think that that's a good rule of thumb is uh, maybe try and keep the competitiveness proportionate to yeah. what's at stake. Yeah. The gloves come off at the tournaments, but. Yeah. Just be mindful of uh, other players' enjoyment, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's not all about the winning. Yeah. Anyway, I th- I think that's about all we've got time for this week. Yep. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll hopefully see you next time. Yep, see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. We are Unlucky Frog Gaming, and I am Ben. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support by giving us money through the Unlucky Frog Patreon. And be sure to check out our website, unluckyfrog.com, to find out more.